Can you really pick a bargain? Do you really know what value is all about? We're going to have a bit of a, uh, a bit of a quiz here now. So um, we're going to see whether you can pick the trash or the treasure. So if you think the, uh, the treasure is on the left-hand side, please raise your hand. Come on, I want to get people here. Go, okay, well, all right, you've made your choice. Okay, those on the, who think the treasure on the right? Okay, where is it, Jeremy? Oh, you're right. Well done. That stamp's worth 1.5 um, million pounds. Okay, next one. Uh, treasure on the left. Hands up. Okay, treasure on the right. All right, what's the answer there, Jeremy? Oh, I got it right again. Well done. Okay, next one. Treasure on the left. All right, treasure on the right. Oh, right. Okay, and one more. That'll do us. Treasure on the left. Okay, treasure on the right. Okay, 10 million pounds. All right, who got all four of them right? Well, good on you, Nell. And, um, yeah, well, she wasn't alone. I mean, she did have some others that were in that category. I reckon it can be very hard sometimes to tell the difference between trash and treasure, particularly in an area that's subjective like the arts uh, or like art or like collectibles. I mean, if you want to know uh, or you want to see evidence for that, what about the recent furor over the Archibald Prize? You know, that painting, and now a lot's been written about who should have won that prize. But we also know that over time, values change, particularly physical assets. I mean, the whole aspect of antiques is evidence that values change. Perhaps so is the Sydney housing market. Um, Up and then at this stage, down a bit. We also know that over time our personal values can change. For example, the, the values I have as an adult are different to the ones that I had as a child. And we know also that values can change as a result of historical events. For example, an economic recession. So for my mum who was uh, born in the, and went through the Great Depression, lived through the Great Depression as a then an eight-year-old, when she saw the relative affluence and the decisions that perhaps Lynn and I were making at times in our life, she battled with that in a nice way. Wasn't used to that. The value that we ascribed to something was completely different to what she had ascribed and the way she had lived life. And I can understand those changes, those values that do change, but we also know there are values that do not change. And so we here today celebrate Mother's Day. And I'm sure many of us have had mothers or significant other people that have spoken into our lives about values that they would like to see in us, values that would remain, like the values of friendship and how to treat friends. The value of respect and good manners. The value of doing your very best and having a sense of achievement when a job was well done. The value of trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and taking hold of faith. And for many parents and many mums, I know that you are probably there wanting to train up a child in the way he would go and then when he is old, he won't depart from it. That whole aspect of speaking and training 
all around values. Values are extremely important. Values are the foundation upon which all our actions and even our thoughts are based. So what are your values and what are your priorities? Perhaps you're someone that's uh, gone through and written those down and you know exactly what you value in life. Perhaps you haven't really done that in the sense that you've got them written down. Stephen Covey, in his book, excellent book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, if you're ever wanting to know what your values are, I want you to work through this exercise. So imagine you're going to the funeral of a loved one and you drive up into the car park and you park the car and then you, you head towards the chapel. And as you walk inside the chapel, you hear the soft organ music and you see the flowers and then you walk down towards the front and you get the sense of, of the shared loss that people have and also shared celebration and rejoicing in the contribution that life has made. And when you get down to the front of the church and you look inside the casket, you come face to face with yourself. This is your funeral three years from now. And all these people have gathered to honour you and to give respect and show their respect. And you walk back to your seat and you pick up the program and you see that on the program today there are going to be four speakers. The first is one of your family. The second is one of your friends. The third is a work colleague or associate. And the fourth is a member of your church or community organisation. Now think carefully. What is it you want each of those people to say about you? What contribution would you like them to speak about? What character would you like them to reflect on? What values would they speak about in terms of your life? It's a powerful exercise, isn't it? And we can even look around this room and ask the same question about our impact on each other. What does the way we interact with each other say about the values that we hold? What is so important about that is that our values are of foundational importance. As I said before, it's those values from which flow our actions and our thoughts. And Jesus told that story of foundational importance that Bruce read earlier. Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts in the practice is like a wise man. What was the difference between the two? Both those men had heard the words of Jesus. They both heard the same information. One chose to hear it and basically ignore it. The other one chose to hear it and to put it into action. What applies to individuals also applies to churches. What I mean by that, we can take the words of Jesus as an individual and we can say, yep, I'm going to grab a hold of what I see, the truth of the scripture, and I'll live my life that way. But we also need to do that as a church. So how does the church live out its values? That's where we are in this series now as we unpack this over the next seven or eight weeks. Some years ago as a church, we embarked on the mission 
of being the people of God's kingdom, boldly reflecting Jesus in our community and world. So how do we do that? How can we ensure that we do that? Well, some time ago, the pastoral team came back and we said, all right, let's do a little bit of a funeral exercise. We didn't, we didn't actually call it that. But it was going to be, if someone was to look at our church, what would they say were the values that we held dearly? What are the things that we say are the basis, the foundation, the great foundation, this foundation on, on solid rock from which is going to flow all our church programs and everything else that happens? And if someone was to re- do a review of our church in, let's say, three years' time, would they actually see the underlying values that we have? And the important question is, have those values actually guided us and driven us as a church in a way that truly has impacted the world for Christ? So for us, these values are not just seven words that are written down on a sheet of paper to be quoted like like some kind of business mantra. You know, these are these values that we have. They're much more than that. The values that we have are a reflection of the life of Jesus. Every one of these values flows from the life of Jesus. And so as we live out these values together as a community, we truly will reflect Jesus in our community and world. I just want to go through these very quickly because we're going to unpack them um, in detail over the next seven weeks. And I want to look at each of these values in the light of Jesus. So Jesus was dependent on his Father. So our first value is we are God dependent. Jesus said, Verily I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son also does. If Jesus was dependent on his Father, how much more we need to be. And that's why, as a church, prayer is of importance to us. Increasing importance, I'm pleased to say, in our life together. Our prayer meetings, our prayer and worship times are absolutely fantastic times for those that are are even pushing into the prophetic and being able to listen and discern God's voice. There's something that we need to be encouraging each other to do. We need to grow in the area of being able to listen to God and to discern his voice together. Even Ken talked about that in regard to our church meeting coming up on the 26th of May. How do we do that in a healthy way? If we are God dependent, how do we develop that ability to listen together to God's voice and to know where he's leading? The other aspect of God dependence is being people who are led by faith and not fear. And as a church, we've made big decisions about our future. Big decisions in the past. So Sports Centre was one of those. Our other ministries are part of that. And God dependence is being able to listen to the voice of God and then in faith step out and say, this is where God wants us to go. Let's go. The rest will take care of itself. The second thing is that Jesus was and is good news. That's the truth of the gospel. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son, 
that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I love this next verse. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. That's the truth of the gospel. And that's why we grab hold of that. Jesus is uh, the good news. And in a world where so many suffer from, from low self-esteem, where we suffer from anxiety, where people can often view God as being a God in the sky with a big stick who wants to beat the tribe out of them when they step out of line, the good news is that God is on our side. That's the value we grab hold of. God is on our side. Sure, our sin separates us from God. We're alienated from God. Until we come and make our peace with God. God's calling us to come to him. That's the whole reason that Jesus came. That's the reason for the cross. And when when we by faith take hold of salvation through Jesus, we are free. Our sin is gone. Our guilt has been removed. And we are free. Our world needs that good news. Friends, if you're here today, And you've got that picture of God being a a God who is going to judge and condemn and never be happy with what you're doing. I really want to urge you to grab hold of the good news of Jesus Christ. I love to pray with you at the end of the service. Our pastoral team would be our prayer team so that you might take hold of this good news. It's a value that is just central to who we are here. And that good news is only found in Jesus. And then Jesus was on a mission of justice and compassion. He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Like Jesus, we're on a mission. We're on a mission of justice and compassion to a broken and a hurting world. And our mission involves us going with word, the word, the gospel. We sign as we pray alongside others and we ask for the spirit of God to work, to bring healing, to bring release. And as we extend acts of compassion through deeds, And we pray that many will respond to the gospel and yet we understand that not everyone is going to respond to the gospel but that doesn't stop us ministering in the name of Jesus. Freely we've received and freely we give. And this month we've had the opportunity to highlight uh, the different uh, things beyond Jural. And one of those things I should have said when I was up here about Justin, thank you to all those who have impacted that young man's life. We've got people sitting here, Keith um, would pull his hair out day by day, um, teaching Justin maths. I know Arthur was involved in that. He's been over the Moody's place to put his head in trucks um, under bonnets and things like that in the past. People have undertaken that mission of, of justice and compassion for people who are desperately in need of that. But each day, as we live life together as a community, we're engaged in our in our playtime and in our sports centre and our men's shed and with Chicago. Other opportunities for justice and compassion. But then when each of us talk to our neighbours 
When we go into our workplaces or our schools or our universities, wherever we are, we carry Jesus with us. And that value of justice and compassion should be flowing out of us to those friends that we do life with. And then Jesus called people to himself and he developed them. And we call that value growth and discipleship. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self? And so we recognise that we're on a journey. We're on a journey that is being shaped by God. As we come and ask that God would do his work in our life, we're on a journey that is where we're being shaped by the world, by the different experiences that we have, the challenges, both good and bad, that we face. We're on a journey where we're shaped by each other, just as iron sharpens iron, as the scriptures say. And even as Christians, we can so often mistake trash for treasure. We can find ourselves going off on blind alleys. We can find ourselves being deviated and being sidetracked into the things which aren't going to be helpful for us. And that's why our growth and our discipleship invites us into small groups, doing life with others, having a mentor, finding and using our gifts, being engaged in, in our stewardship of our resources, that together we might stay focused because the call that God has on our lives is a life of discipline. And it's a call to commitment. And we saw that as Jesus called people to himself and said, pay the price. You're going to come and follow me. You need to put down your old life. To turn that over, take up your cross and follow me. Then Jesus equipped leaders. That whole aspect or that whole uh, value of leadership. Jesus called them together and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to serve, to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so we are engaged as leaders and in raising up leaders. We minister out of our giftings. We don't have a hierarchy in this church. The pastors aren't there in a hierarchical sense. We have different gifts and we're called to use that in the church in different ways. There's no value attributed to any position in this, in this church. We are here to serve one another. That's God's call on our life, to serve one another. Whether in our church ministries or in our work or in our homes. And then Jesus promoted family. Near the cross of Jesus, uh, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother. His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And to the disciple, here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. 
And here's a picture of Jesus saying, nuclear family? No, no. No. In the Christian world, we are one. We come together. Here are the brothers. Here are the sisters. And we get a picture of that in the New Testament. As the New Testament lived that out, where Acts 2 tells us that all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They were one family. They'd come together. And so we too affirm the building of strong families. We affirm the building of strong nuclear families, places for the raising of kids and the encouragement of kids. But we also recognise that our church community together is a family. That this is a place where people are genuinely loved and accepted. It's also a place where our anxieties can be dealt with. A place where our shortcomings can be handled with grace. It's a safe place. And we pray that it is a safe place. And everyone feels like that. But we also want it to be a family that nurtures and releases for ministry. Where we grow, where we have adventure and we have fun together and we step out for the cause of the kingdom. And then Jesus valued rest and recovery. The value of rest. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We want to learn to breathe. I don't know about you, but uh, this world is crazy in terms of the way we run, the things we have to do. And for some of us, finding the balance between uh, home and work and church commitments is extremely difficult. So we want to take the time to enjoy creation. When the Lord created this earth, he said, behold, it is good. And we need to encourage one another to enjoy creation, to spend time in in doing that. And we also want to just value, speak, speak over that value of enjoying time with God and simply relaxing. And not getting carried away. And that means we need to revisit our schedules and our structures, even in terms of the way we operate as a church. Friend, it's been a very quick overview to values, but I, I pray that this morning, as we look at that and we take hold of our values, we're doing a few things. We're trying to ask ourselves, what values do I really hold? That funeral exercise, walk away and think about that. How are you impacting or what impact do you want to leave on the life of others? But then for us as a church to go over these values and recognize again that this is not some mantra we're quoting. This is a reflection of Jesus. As we take each of those values, we do live out our mission in our community and our world. And where we see our center this centre as a mission reflecting Jesus. We're a people who are on a mission of justice and compassion to a broken world. We are people who have been changed by the gospel and we're taking the gospel to a world that desperately needs it. We're people still being changed by the gospel through growth and discipleship as we grow in the scriptures, in prayer and in using our gifts. We're a people who are dependent on God recognizing that our efforts without God are futile and yet 
with God, God can do abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. We have people who are growing as leaders as we serve together and we develop the leaders around us. We are a family. We're a place of acceptance, of love, of nurture, of mercy, of help and of healing. But we're also a place of encouragement, of challenge, of fun and adventure. And we are a community of rest. I'm going to rest there. Will you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, we want to praise you. We praise you that that you exist. That is in this world that often seems so crazy and in chaos, we can declare that you are Lord. And we marvel at the fact that you have a plan and a purpose for each one of us. And we thank you for that. We thank you for the truth of the gospel. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that, that you, God, are on our side. And sending Jesus was evidence of that. And as a community, we want to walk to reflect him. We want to take hold of those values that we've spoken about today. And Father, we ask that they might not just be words that we express, but Father, these might be the characteristics of our life individually and together. And so, Father, we we praise you and we thank you for the work that you're doing in our lives and amongst us. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.